The following podcast will contain spoilers along with unfettered feelings of nostalgia. Proceed at your own risk. folks check your guts and watch your butts it's time for event or else the podcast where i go through most every major marvel and dc event one issue at a time one episode at a time because between you and me i don't like myself very much i'm your host my name is steven and i'm not really sure why we have to go through this each and every week i mean it should be obvious by now that i'm here to talk about marvel superhero secret wars right The only thing that's changed is the issue. And this week, we're looking at issue number eight, and it's entitled Invasion. This issue was published by Marvel Comics in December of 1984, and it was written by Jim Shooter with pencils by Mike Zeck, inks by the trio of John Beatty, Jack Abel, and Mike Esposito. The letters are by Joe Rosen, and the colors by Christy Scheel. As the issue opens... Captain America and his team are racing toward Doom Base, where they plan on cracking a few skulls. If you remember, our heroes learned in the last issue that the Wasp had died at the hands of the villains, and She-Hulk had gone off to Doom Base alone to exact a little vengeance. As our heroes begin their assault, the Enchantress is inside, getting her drink on. See, she learned in the last issue that Doom failed in his plans to gain some sort of upper hand against their foes by getting a hold of something, anything he could use from the world ship of Galactus. And with his failure, the Enchantress has given up and has escaped into the world of alcohol and the bliss of becoming fall-down drunk. The Absorbing Man, the Wrecking Crew, Titania, and Dr. Octopus, who are all busy beating She-Hulk to death, are distracted from their team-building exercise by the sounds of Thor's hammer knocking down their walls, which gives them no choice but to leave She-Hulk to die alone and ready an ambush for Cap and his team. And so, as Captain America and the heroes enter Doom Base, the villains strike. First up, the Wrecker tries to take out Iron Man, and fails. Next, Dr. Octopus drops a ton of water on the human torch and douses his flame. Then, Bulldozer attempts to finish the job and make the torch into a bloody smear, but is stopped cold by Spider-Man. After that, the thing suddenly changes back into human form as he's tussling with the Absorbing Man, but then the new Spider-Woman steps in and throws the villain into a wall. In the meantime, Thor ties up Doc Ock with his own tentacles, as Hawkeye takes on Piledriver. Deeper inside Doom Base, the Hulk stumbles across the Enchantress, who takes him out with seduction magic. She tries the same with Captain America, but come on, he's Captain America. Down the hall, Spider-Man goes toe-to-toe with Titania and tosses her through a wall and out of the fight. Further on, Molecule Man and Volcana manage to keep most of the heroes at bay until Captain Marvel steps in to handle things. Soon after, the Human Torch gets his fire back and somehow manages to take out Ultron as Captain America goes after Doom and finds him weak and harmless. The battle then concludes when the heroes come across Ben Grimm playing a rousing game of patty cake with Claw as the Lizard looks on with interest. With the heroes now in control of Doom Base, Captain Marvel locates She-Hulk 
and they get her into a healing chamber just in time. Then, after locking up the villains, Captain Marvel and Hawkeye head back to the alien village to bring back the Wasp for a proper burial, one worthy of an Avenger. Speaking of the alien village, we find Colossus carrying the unconscious Zashi, whom he found passed out in the previous issue. He takes her back to her place, hoping to find some way to heal her. He then spies that bottle of the gas Johnny apparently told him about between panels. So he opens it up, hoping to meld minds with the healer and learn of her ailment. It works, of course, and we learn right along with him that she'd discovered that the wasp wasn't actually dead. She was just mostly dead, but being hit by that stasis ray is what gave her the appearance of being all the way dead. Anyway, Zashi went back and healed her, using much of herself in the process, which is what caused her to pass out. At the same time, Captain Marvel and Hawkeye have arrived to discover what we already know. The Wasp is not dead. In fact, she's awake and lamenting the fact that she has no makeup on. Meanwhile, the X-Men continue their watch of Galactus when something happens. Of course, rather than finding out what that something is, we move on back to Doombase, where our heroes have made themselves at home. Reed Richards is working on Iron Man's armor and does not find it surprising at all to discover a black man inside. Spider-Man, his costume ripped and torn, runs across Thor, who has somehow managed to find a new helmet and cape. Just like his old helmet and cape. Thor directs him to the other room, where Spider-Man will find a machine that he merely has to think into, and it will provide him with a new suit. Spider-Man picks a machine that he figures looks like one that wants to make him a costume. He sticks his head inside and he gets to thinking. He's rewarded with a black ball that expands, covering his entire body and becoming his new black costume. One that will one day become his most hated enemy, Venom. But that's another story. Before Spider-Man can enjoy his new threads or even give much thought to why the new suit looks a bit too much like Spider-Woman's suit, Professor X calls out to the heroes telepathically to inform them that Galactus has begun devouring the planet. And there you have it, folks. The end of the issue. But don't be sad. The end of the issue just means that it's time for the top three things to dwell on. The top three things to dwell on are three moments in the book that I feel need to be given just a bit more thought. These could be small moments, or they could be huge moments. Big or small, it doesn't matter. Whatever they turn out to be, I gots to talk about them. Thing to dwell on number three, Piledriver gets himself shot. As the heroes are taking out the villains, Hawkeye finds himself face-to-face with Piledriver. The villain mocks the hero incessantly, pointing out that Piledriver is super strong. He's deflected bullets before, and Hawkeye's just this regular guy shooting regular arrows, and he keeps missing. Hawkeye then points out two things. First off, he's missing on purpose. The first few arrows were warning shots. And second, with his bow at this range, an arrow hits a lot harder than a bullet. Then he asks Piledriver one last time, to back off, because that's just who Hawkeye is. Piledriver, of course, just keeps coming. So Hawkeye shoots him in the shoulder, giving us one of the greatest single panels 
in the entire series. Pile driver stumbling away with an arrow in his shoulder and shock on his face. Ah, I've been shot. Lordy, I'm wounded. It's just priceless. Bravo, Mike Zek. Bravo. Thing to dwell on number two, One Punch Spider-Man. After reading this issue, I'm beginning to think that Jim Shooter loves him some Spider-Man. I mean, way back in issue number three, we saw Spider-Man basically take on the X-Men by himself and win. And now, here in issue number seven, Spider-Man punches Bulldozer in the face once and not only knocks him out, he knocks his helmet right off his head as well. One punch and the man is out cold. Then, later on in the same issue, he stands toe-to-toe with Titania. Sure, she's much stronger than him, but with his superhuman agility, a little room to work, and his spider sense, he easily dodges each of her blows before grabbing her by the ankle and throwing her through a wall, which happens to be an exterior wall, and they happen to be a few hundred feet or so off the ground. I tell you, if I hadn't already been a huge fan of Spider-Man when I first read this series as a kid, this book would have certainly turned me into one. Thing to dwell on number one, Patty Cake, Patty Cake, Baker's Man. What can I say here? Ben Grimm wins over Claw and the Lizard by playing Patty Cake with Claw. What's even funnier is the Lizard's reaction when the other heroes bust in and catch him. Disturb our games and the lizard will destroy you. Once we finish, we will do as you say. (laughs) But here's the thing. How did it happen? I want to see what led up to this. How did Ben and Hawkeye convince Claw to sit on the floor, crisscross applesauce, and play patty cake? I really want to see how all that went down. Somebody needs to make that into a book. And those were the top three things to dwell on. So now we come to that time in the show where I wrap it all up and tell you how I feel about the book in general. I'm having a ball, folks. Say what you will about this series. It's certainly fun. And this issue was chock full of action. Three big events happen in this issue. She-Hulk survives her beating. The Wasp turns out to be alive, and Spider-Man gets his new costume. Now, for readers at the time, this actually isn't the first time that they're seeing the new black and white suit. In fact, according to Brian Cronin of CBR.com, folks who were reading the comics journal back in 84 got a look at the costume in issue number 85. But the first comic book appearance of the black and white suit happened in Amazing Spider-Man 252, which was published almost seven months before issue eight of Marvel Superhero Secret Wars, which is really one of the more interesting things about this event. All the other books that were being published at the time Secret Wars began jumped over the events of Secret Wars to show you the changes that would come out of the event, such as Spider-Man's new costume. And then the readers were told, want to find out where this new costume comes from? Pick up Secret Wars. And then that's how they would find out. In fact, readers actually find out that something isn't quite right about that alien costume before they even finish up issue 252 of Amazing Spider-Man. And it only gets worse with every issue, building up to issue number eight of Secret Wars when it's finally revealed how Spider-Man got the suit, which 
Honestly, compared to what happens with the alien costume after Spider-Man gets back to Earth is really quite lame. I mean, the readers wait all this time and all they get in the end is he sticks his head inside some random alien machine and a small black ball pops out and then bam, new costume. That's it. All in all, however, I really enjoyed the issue. Like I said, a lot of action takes place, which made the story fly by, but the action was great fun. And based on the way it ended, looks like we're going to get a lot more action in the next issue. Speaking of which, why don't you join me back here next time and maybe we'll get an answer to the question, has Dr. Doom really given up? I mean, really? That's coming at you next week with issue number nine, which is entitled Assault on Galactus. I'll be there with bells on, or not. I mean, they do make a lot of noise. Event or Else is a presentation of the Just Another Fanboy podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to eventorelse at gmail.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash stevenaror and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show where I talk about all the nerdy type things I don't have time to talk about in all my other podcast episodes. I also encourage you to rate the show wherever available and share the podcast with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. There's a snort. <laughs> uh, that may go at the end of the sentence. It better.